Welcome to In The Room with me, Ronnie Barber. In this series, we'll be talking to politicians, YouTubers, sports stars and scientists about the defining moments of their lives. From the classroom to the boardroom, the briefing room, the dressing room and a whole lot more, we'll find out how the rooms of our lives shape the decisions we make. It's a different kind of In The Room this time because we're not looking back. Instead, we're talking about a case which is very much live. Dara Conduit is from the Free Kylie Moore Gilbert campaign. Dr Kylie Moore Gilbert is an Australian academic imprisoned in Iran after she was convicted of espionage on charges which the Australian government described as baseless. Dara will tell us the full story of Kylie's arrest. And she travelled to Iran in 2018 to attend a conference. And as she was on the plane, uh, sorry, as she was at the airport to come home from the conference, she was arrested and was subsequently charged with espionage. What conditions are like in the jail? Being kept in a two by three metre cell every day is, you know, without sunlight, uh, you know, will have huge consequences on the body. Uh, and I've heard from other prisoners that almost had to be carried out of the prison by the time their prison had had uh, or their sentence had finished because it was so bad. And we'll update you on the latest developments in Kylie's case. What is true is that uh, Kylie Moore Gilbert is coming home. I began by asking Dara what Kylie is like to be in a room with. Dara, just, just give us a glimpse of what kind of person Kylie was before all this, you know, before uh, she was arrested and imprisoned. So, I mean, Kylie was your average Australian in her 30s. You know, she, the year before she had finished, we'd finished our PhDs together the year before. In fact, we graduated a couple of months apart. She just started her first job as a lecturer at the University of Melbourne. And she was living, you know, this incredibly important part of her life. You know, she was really just getting started. Uh, she is incredibly smart. I would say she was by far the smartest member of our graduating cohort. You know, the fact that she graduated and walked into a lectureship at the University of Melbourne is incredible. It's incredibly hard to get a job like that, um, but it speaks to her talent. As a researcher, she was, uh, she's incredibly serious. She's incredibly um, careful. She has deep respect for the populations that she researches and the people she researches. Um, and she's very much, she's not a sort of ivory tower researcher. She's someone who likes to, you know, meet people and speak to people, uh, you know, and kind of get in and actually understand what's going on. Uh, she's a fantastic teacher. There is actually a campaign on Twitter run by her former students. And we have some of her former students in our group as well, because she's such an incredible teacher. Uh, and as a colleague and, um, I guess, teacher, she's just kind, generous with her time and, um, you know, a really great person to have around. So you're a group of friends. You're the friends room, really, uh, trying to support her. Uh, but you have no direct um, sort of tie-in with, you, you can't speak directly to the Iranian authorities about Kylie? No, and nor would we. I mean, this is a situation that's going to be resolved through diplomatic avenues. You know, this is the responsibility of the Australian government and Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade as Kylie's friends and colleagues. We view ourselves as 
people responsible with keeping the pressure on the Australian government to make sure they're doing absolutely everything they can to bring her home. Is Kylie's got joint citizenship? Is Australia and the UK? Is that right? Yeah, she's a dual national, but I mean. That's a you know a technical designation. Kylie is an Australian citizen. She was born in uh, the country New South Wales, or certainly grew up in the country New South Wales town of Bathurst. You know she has lived in Australia for most of her life. She's like so many Australians is a dual national. Tell me Australia's about Australian first and foremost. And I may be speaking out a ton here, uh, uh, Dara, but have you been critical of the Australian government and in, in as much support they have given for Kylie? Uh, are they doing enough in your respect, in your opinion? We've been highly critical of the Australian government. It's been, uh, as of today, it's been 780 days since Kylie was arrested. And very little progress from where we're sitting has been made in her case. You know, the Australian government has, unlike the British government, has a really good relationship with Iran. It's had a, um, you know, an embassy in Iran since 1968. It's had pretty much continuous diplomatic, um, a continuous diplomatic presence in Iran uh, and, you know, has always had good relations, unlike so many other Western countries. Um, despite this and despite, um, you know, two more than two years now of quiet diplomacy nothing has been achieved in Kylie's case and in fact in the past three months she's been moved twice to different prisons without them knowing so the first time at the end of July she was moved to Karchak prison which is the worst women's prison on earth and the Australian government seemed to find out through media reports and the second time she was moved back to a Vin prison in solitary confinement which is where she spent the bulk of her first two years in prison and from where we were standing, it seems that the government lost track of her for six days in this process and, again, only found out through media sources. So we are highly critical of the Australian government. We don't think they're doing enough to bring her home. able to talk to them uh, the Australian government are you have you been in a room with them so we have avenues with the Australian government we also speak regularly to members of parliament uh, who are very concerned about Kylie's situation but um, we're very much an advocacy group so we exist on the outside right um because it, it seems to me the frustrations would be in uh, any kind of negotiations if you if your your main party, which is the Australian government, if they're not stepping up or not keeping in touch, it'll be very hard to get any kind of traction at all. If they're not keeping in touch with us? Or do you uh, yeah, I, I, and, and what's happening to, to Kylie? Yeah, so, I mean, the Australian government assures us that it is, you know, it has prioritised Kylie's case and that it is, uh, you know, doing everything it can. And I don't doubt that there are people in the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade who are working around the clock on this. But I think they, it's also time for them to reflect and realise that this, project, uh, this, this effort on face value has failed. It's been more than two years. Kylie is an innocent Australian citizen who has languished in jail for, you know, in the majority of that time in solitary confinement. And I think it's time for them to reflect that maybe this has not been particularly successful. Uh, one of the worst rooms you can be in is a prison cell. And you've talked there about the two prisons that, um, that Kylie's been in. 
Can you give me an idea then what, because we've got Nazine uh, Zagari Ratcliffe is, is kind of front and centre in our minds in the UK as well. Um, we don't know what a daily existence is then within a prison cell, within a prison regime like that, uh, because we have no idea of how these things are run in a place like Iran. Give me an idea, a snapshot please, of what Kylie's day is like. So, I mean, Kylie has spent the bulk of the last two years in Evin prison, which is a prison in the northern suburbs of Tehran. And she's been kept in a ward called Ward 2A, which is a specific ward that's under the control of the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps. So it's not within the normal um, Iranian prison authorities. It's under um, a specific mandate. And in that, she's lived in a... uh, two by three metre cell. It's got no mattress. It's got a a toilet in the corner. Uh, And she's blindfolded every time she's taken out of there. And she's been for most of that time in solitary confinement in that ward. She was was moved, as I mentioned before, in July uh, for nearly three months to Karchak prison, which is a very different prison. Evin prison is a prison where, um, you know, most political prisoners are held and it's sort of the international prison, it's where most of the foreign nationals are held, such as Nazanin. Nazanin spent most of her time in in Evin prison as well. But Karchak prison is different. There was no precedent for uh, transferring foreign nationals there. Uh, It's a former chicken farm that was converted into a prison facility. It was massively overcrowded. It had an enormous COVID-19 outbreak in the prison. and it's known for its enormous violence, not just from guards, but within the prison population itself. So huge, um, you know, reports of things like rapes and beatings and stuff from within the actual population. So a really, really scary place for poor Kylie to find herself. Yeah. Um, do you Are you able to speak to her at all? We don't have contact with her. She does have contact with her family periodically. But if you read letters that were released from Kylie in January this year, you know, there's been many months in between various bouts of contact with her family or with the embassy. So, you know, this has been a really, really solitary experience for her. Mentally, it must be uh, such a hard toil for her. Um, and, and, and what about physically? Is she uh, what has she been looked after with meals and things like that? So mentally, it's been incredibly difficult. And again, in these letters, if your listeners would like to read them, um, they are available on our website at freekylie.net. Uh, but she talks about the enormous, uh, enormous psychological toll that this has taken on her already, um, and that she has had to take medications to help her to cope with that. But physically, you can expect that this will also have an enormous toll. I mean, being kept in a two by three metre cell every day is, you know, without sunlight, uh, you know, will have huge consequences on the body. Uh, And I've heard from other prisoners that almost had to be carried out of the prison by the time their prison had had, uh, or their sentence had finished because it was so bad. Uh, As far as food goes, we've actually had serious problems again she talks about this in her letters Kylie's gluten intolerant so she can't eat regular prison food either so there's another toll um, there which you know that will be having significant long-term consequences on her body as well and she's struggled throughout her incarceration to get the money that she needs uh, in her prison account 
to pay for that food. And it's not clear whether that's an embassy issue or whether that's an issue of the Iranian authorities blocking money transfers. But she talks in one of her letters about how she needed something like it's something like 60 or $70 a month to cover the food that she needs to buy and was struggling to even get access to that. So, you know, there's enormous physical and psychological toll for Kylie in there and one that I dare say will last a long time after she comes home. Ask the, the the slightly awkward question: When we know what uh, that uh, foreign journalists and foreign scientists uh, uh, can be abducted or can be arrested in a place like Iran, why would you go there in the first place, Dara? That's that, I think that's what a lot of people would say when you know there's a chance that you could be a political pawn. So I mean, I think Iran wasn't viewed in that way for academics. Uh, you know, in the year that Kylie went. To Iran, many academics travelled there and, you know, conducted research and that sort of thing and would have come home safely. So, um, you know, I th- I don't think that was a major concern. And as I said before, Kylie was not, is not a, um, you know, a researcher of Iran. Kylie is not a critic of Iran. So I don't think, I think when she was thinking beforehand about the analysis of whether or not it was risky or not you know I don't think and I would have agreed with her that she wasn't particularly didn't have a particularly risky profile but the thing about this is that you know she's not there because she's a researcher she's there because she's a foreign hostage and I what we didn't I certainly didn't realize before this is that Iran has in recent years viewed researchers as particularly valuable has viewed academics as particularly valuable so our group has done some research and between uh, 2010 and December 2015, Iran didn't take any academics hostage in that period. But since December 2015, uh, it has taken, I think, 12 academics and students hostage. So it's as if there's a change in the business model sometime that year. And it took us a while as academics and as researchers in Iran to actually notice that shift. So Kylie didn't realise when she walked in that this shift had taken place. And again, that shift isn't because Kylie had done anything wrong or because she threatened the Iranian regime, but because there's something intrinsic to researchers right now that Iran sees them as particularly valuable, perhaps because of her international networks, the fact that she can, she's going to be quite high profile. If uh, you know they arrest her, they'll be able to ask for more in return. Um, let's, let's move out uh, to a wee bit more personal with you then, because uh, you're an expert in the Middle East. And I think what a lot of people, you're almost taking us into the classroom here, Dara. I think for a lot of us, uh, we don't quite understand um, the Middle East and its politics. Um, does that frustrate you as someone who's an expert uh, that in the West? We don't quite understand. It. And that actually is an obstacle to doing uh, and having po- a political and diplomatic relations with a place like Iran. To be honest, in Australia, I mean, the general population is not particularly... Um, engaged in the politics of the Middle East because geographically it's a really long way away from uh, from us where, you know, most Australians see themselves as much 
closer to Asia, so Iran is seen as quite remote. But the Australian government is not, um, you know, particularly separate from Iran. And, you know, we have an enormous trade and have for a long time with Iran in things like wheat and things like agriculture that, um, you know, I think there's really good literacy within the uh, the Australian government about Iran. It's just um, that they haven't been able to use that, I guess, to get Kylie home. What other support are we getting from other countries then? Are, uh, you know, is, uh, have you managed to kind of get a hub of support for people like Kylie who are uh, in prisons in Iran? So we've got a really strong network with all of the current, uh, you know, families and campaigns of uh, prisoners held in Iran uh, and also former prisoners in Iran. So there's a really strong network of that. And also there's this, this huge network of people around the world, be they, um, you know, just members of the public who have seen Kylie's story and it resonates with them, or be it academic networks around uh, the world of people Kylie's met and people Kylie hasn't met um, who just recognise the, the enormous injustice that this case represents and want to bring her home. Are you confident she will get home I'm not going to put a time limit on Indara, but are you confident she will get home? Yeah, I have no doubt that Kylie is going to come home. Kylie is a, a political hostage, you know. She's incredibly valuable to the Iranian regime. Nothing will happen to her. She will be put under enormous pressure, but there is no doubt in my mind that she will come home one day. It's just a matter of the two governments working out the price of that. What about the academics within Iran? Are they supportive as well? Uh, there are some academics in Iran who are supportive of this, uh, but this is a campaign that we're running that targets very much the Australian government because we believe it's the Australian government that can make the difference here. Uh, are you getting any kind of... Because no governments like criticism, Dara, uh, as we know. Are you getting any kind of um, positive feedback? Because uh, as you were saying earlier on, they weren't even aware that she'd been moved from one prison to another. We're not getting a lot of acknowledgement from the government formally or Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade that perhaps their strategy isn't working. But we have a, um, you know, a growing groundswell of support from members of parliament across the spectrum from all of the political parties who agree that this situation is a problem and also across journalists and the media. So, yeah, I think there is enormous sympathy, enormous awareness and sympathy for Kylie's case in Australia. And, you know, I think it's going to start to become a political problem for the government. When we see uh, we've got, uh, you know, the ongoing situation in, in America and uh, uh, Donald Trump's been no friend of, of Iran, um, do you worry that overall, globally, the response from the West to uh, a place can actually affect the, uh, the possible release of somebody like Kylie? Do you worry that, that you know, the, the tension's rising and you just go, well, OK, that's it. Kylie's in for another couple of years uh, going forward? Yeah, I mean, we certainly worry about times of instability in uh, the situation. But, I mean, in, in times of instability, there's also opportunities as well. So we try to be optimistic and we hope that, you know, the change that comes in US politics over the next few months will provide opportunities as well. Do you get... You know, this is... This is a business model for Iran. You know, it wants the deal and it's willing to make deals with um, with people. So it's a matter of 
leveraging whatever opportunities come Kylie's way. Uh, do you see diplomatic world? Do you one? Do you understand the diplomatic world? Uh, what's going on? And uh, th- does it frustrate you that it's so slow and it's so it's so nuanced? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm an academic of uh, you know international relations, so I understand something of the diplomatic world at least as an outsider. But yeah, we find it incredibly frustrating, particularly in the international context, because your government has increasingly taken, you know, a strong stance against Iran. And we saw last month your government, as well as France and Germany, summoned the Iranian ambassadors, for example, to express their disgust at uh, Iran's treatment of political prisoners and foreign nationals. And the Australian government has refused to do things like that that I wouldn't consider to be particularly radical diplomatically. Um, but I would have seen as an opportunity for Australia to join, but it has so far refused to do that sort of thing. So yeah, I find it incredibly frustrating because over the last 780 days, Australia has prosecuted a softly, softly approach, a don't criticise Iran approach. And frankly, I think Iran is running rings around them. Why Why won't the Australian government join the rest of the world then? What is what is holding them back? It, 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 you know, I can understand the the, the fiscal uh, ramifications uh, you know, because of the exports, imports, etc. Why won't they join? I don't quite get that, Dara. Your guess is as good as mine. It makes very little sense. I mean, it's it's high time. This approach, we understood early on, you know, when uh, the request went out to us to not be public and to stay quiet because they were going to try quiet diplomacy. And we, although disagreed with it, respected that that was the approach the Australian government wanted to try. But unfortunately now, you know, it's been more than two years and Kylie's situation, it hasn't improved one inch, you know, she's... She's literally, as of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when she was transferred back to Evin Prison, she's back at square one where she started where she was first arrested. You know, nothing has changed in two years. Uh, I think it's time that the Australian government does rethink its priorities. Are they taking that on board? Are they, the, the whole roller coaster life for Kylie, you know, that, you know, there's suddenly you get a wee glimmer of hope and then it's dashed. And it's almost like the the, the authorities, the reigning authorities, are saying, "Look, we're nearly there. We're going to do this. Can you step up? You can it? You know? Do you, do you think that's? You know? I just wonder whether the, the uh, Australian uh, government has got any decent diplomats that can't, you know, move things forward. Look, I believe there are some incredibly talented diplomats working on Kylie's case. I I feel that it's a matter of political will that this needs to become a higher priority in the Morrison government to to resolve this case. It's, I mean, it's been too long. I won't try to interpret what Iran has been trying to signal by moving Kylie between prisons or not warning the Australian government because I'm not privy to those sorts of negotiations. But, you know, I think it's high time the Australian government... (laughs) acknowledges that she needs to be brought home and it needs to leave absolutely no stone unturned until she is. There may be some kind of uh, monetary recompense uh, to be paid uh, to release Kailu. And you can understand that, you know, that it's it's pain for a a hostage, but that may be the only way to go ahead. I don't know what it will be. I don't know what concessions Iran's asking for. I'm not in the room with them. Uh, I can... 
I think we can acknowledge that, uh, you know, this is a difficult position for the Australian government to be in because it's basically been held for ransom or held to ransom for one of its own. But by the same token, you know, that is, that's a great ethical question to be discussed at the level of the Australian government. But in the meantime, there is an Australian citizen languishing in solitary confinement in a cell that had nothing to do with this. It's not that she did something wrong and has been held to ransom. It's not that, you know, she's done nothing wrong. She literally walked into the middle of this dispute between Iran and Australia that she didn't even know about. How could she? It was not a public dispute. Hopefully we we get uh, Kylie out and uh, we put her into the bathroom in her house when uh, when she's back she's back home. Um, let's let's hope that happens soon. But uh, is there anything that you can leave us with, uh, Dara, that would say you know look uh, we're we're almost there? Is there any kind of light at the end of this particular tunnel that would say she she's she's on the plane in the next two days? Look, I I don't have information like that, unfortunately. That's the remit of the Australian government. But what I will say is that Kylie is an incredible person and she's incredibly strong. And you may have seen we ran a campaign uh, in September to run, uh, to mark the second anniversary of her uh, incarceration. And the campaign was called We Run With Kylie. And it's, we ran that campaign because we found out that she had been running in Karchak prison. So she was languishing in this prison with, you know, huge inmate violence and COVID and, you know, all this other stuff. And yet when she was out in the exercise room, she was running, which is incredible. You know, it sort of shows this fortitude of spirit that I have to acknowledge I wouldn't have and I don't have now. Um, so, you know, I think to Kylie's supporters, it's important to remember she's going through enormous hardships, but also that she's doing her absolute best and that we owe it to her to do our best too. Uh, personally speaking, Dara, are you, are you, do you have long nights uh, thinking about her predicament? Um, maybe even tearful nights when you realise that a friend is, is imprisoned for, you know, as an innocent person? Yeah, look, it's been incredibly stressful. I think for all of us in the campaign, um, you know, I think we've well and truly kept the uh, (laughs) counselling services of Australia busy over the last couple of years. It's been incredibly traumatic because, you know, realistically, it could have happened to any one of us. Um, You know, any researcher could have walked in and, and been picked up because it's not about Kylie. So, yeah, it's been incredibly confronting on a personal level and, I think we just miss her so much and we just, you know, it's so unfair and we just want her to come home. We recorded that interview in November and it's obvious in Dara's voice how much the campaign and Kylie's family wanted her home. Then... Six days ago, Iranian state media announced she'd been freed, part of a prisoner swap deal, bringing Kylie 
Home. Breaking news overnight, Australian academic Kylie Moore-Gilbert has been freed from prison in Iran after 804 days behind bars. Kylie Moore-Gilbert, who always denied wrongdoing, was freed in exchange for three unnamed Iranians... Her surprise prison. release came overnight, with state media claiming she was exchanged for three Iranians, two of them known terrorists. Rescued academic Kylie Moore-Gilbert has celebrated her freedom in a quintessential Australian way with a Tim Tam and the best cup of coffee in two years. A source has revealed she enjoyed the treat on her flight back to Australia from Iran, where she was imprisoned for... And uh, we kept up the hope, we kept up the prayers too. And as I said on, t on, the, on morning television this morning, um, I, I've always believed in miracles and I'm just so thankful for this one as well. Next time, I'll be talking to the former Health Secretary, Alan Johnson, about his time in politics. Yeah, it wasn't, oh, you know, there's a vacancy there, why don't you stand for it, Alan? It was always trying to stab Gordon Brown in the back, first of all, and step over his prostate body and pick up the crown, you know. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time in the room. Yeah.